Well, hello everybody and welcome back. This is our daily devotional for Thursday, September 28th, 2023. By the time I am back with you, it's going to be October, the last daily devotional for September. Um, like June and July and August, I don't know where this month went. It is just getting faster and faster, but even so, and, and I know it's going to get faster and faster as I grow older, but for right now, I am delighted to see the Lord's hand at work. We had a wonderful homecoming and special services. It's uh, it's amazing to see what the Lord is doing around the world. It's amazing to see what he's doing here at Old Providence, and I'm just excited to be a part of it, and I'm excited to have this time with you all. I hope that this week has gone well for you and uh, that you're enjoying the fall weather. Boy, is it nice at uh, in Spotswood here. It's a little cloudy. That's okay, though. I really, really enjoy the cooler temperatures, and I hope that you do too. Well, where we find ourselves come today, this the last devotional of the week. Um, we had story time yesterday in Acts chapter 12. This amazing thing happened with Peter's miraculous escape from prison. That's what the little... Uh, chapter heading says over chapter 12. In my Bible, at least, yours may say something or, or be a variation of that. But really and truly, we see this amazing story. But also, I hope that in our devotional time yesterday, you also received a prompting about praying expectantly. In other words, praying and believing that the Lord hears it, that the Lord's going to answer, and trusting that he's your father and that he loves you. Y'all, the Lord reveals himself to us through stories like what we read yesterday in Acts chapter 12, through Peter's escape, through him answering the prayers of his people. The Lord reveals who he is. The Lord reveals what he is like. The Lord reveals what is pleasing to them and that which he will not accept. At least that's what he does today as story time continues in chapter 12 in this story that uh, is, is fitting it's appropriate. It is not nice, however, but there is a lesson even here. So let's pray, and then we'll pick up where we left off in Acts chapter 12, the second part of verse 19. Let's go to the Lord first. Our Father, please be with us as we continue reading in your word today, and as we learn more and more about who you are, those things that are pleasing to you, those things which you find repugnant, those things that you will not abide, for you alone are worthy. You alone are the everlasting God. And Father, as I think about my own sinfulness in light of where we're going today, I seek your forgiveness. Please work in my heart. Draw me to yourself. I pray the same thing for all those who desire it that are here right now or, well, whenever they find this. Please work in our hearts. Now, please guide us by your spirit. And we pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Now, before we get to story time today, and I don't say that in a trivial sense. I'm simply referring to this as story time because a story is being revealed, right? This narrative is being revealed. It's not a fable. It's not a fantasy. It's not some allegory that's about something else. No, this is the acts of the apostles, the acts of the early church. What we're about to read happened in time and space. But it is fascinating because this is one of those places in the New Testament that ought to do away with a faulty notion that has become rather popular in these recent days. Now, the faulty notion that I'm referring to is that somehow 
God the Father is the God of the Old Testament, and he's full of wrath and vengeance, and he's hard and, you know, all of those things. Whereas Jesus and the New Testament, we see the kinder, gentler God where he's, you know, <clears throat> God that's like your grandfather always has a peppermint in his pocket for you, and you know, or a silver dollar or whatever, you know. It's this idea that there's somehow some switch and that God has changed, that Jesus changed everything. Now, let me be clear. Jesus certainly did change everything, but not God. Jesus is the radiance of God's glory. By the time you see this, if if you're in uh, Bible study on Wednesday night, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about because we're talking about Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3 tonight that calls Jesus the exact radiance of God's glory, the exact representation radiating God's glory. But getting back to this, this idea that somehow God switched in the New Testament and he's no longer the God that he was in the Old Testament, doesn't match up, y'all. Doesn't match up in the slightest bit. And we're going to see why in part in just a moment here. But we're picking up is in the aftermath. If you recall yesterday, we ended in verse uh, 19, or excuse me, verse 17. No, I'm, I'm wrong. Uh, verse verse 19. This is after Peter's been freed from the prison. There's a, there's, there's much commotion. Verse 19. After Herod had a thorough search made for him and did not find him, he cross-examined the guards and ordered that they be executed. Now, at this point, we know that Peter has taken off. We're not told exactly where he's gone, but we know that Peter is gone. Herod is on the hunt. He had gotten Peter. He had Peter arrested because he was going to do the same thing to him that he did to James, the brother of John. Peter ends up getting out. Herod is furiously angry, but Peter's gone. And then we have a shift in the story. And we get something that's almost like a, what? why is this even in here? Well, it's in here, number one, to understand the movement of the early church. I'm going to go ahead and say that right now, right? To understand the movement of the early church, we see what we're about to see that happened with Herod. And, and spoiler alert, you know, again, if you have those little nifty headings, maybe you can see mine right there. It says Herod's death, okay? Yours probably says something similar. Why is it even in there? Because Herod's death affected the movement of the church. It affected the lay of the land, as it were at this point in time, so it's important. But also, y'all, there's this affirmation that God hasn't changed, but there's also this warning when it comes to God and his glory. You know, it wasn't too long before this that we dealt with two people, Ananias and Sapphira, that tried to steal God's glory. That's one of the worst, oh no, moments in the scripture um, when Ananias, the husband, is questioned and he lies about donating land and God strikes him dead. They bring in his wife, Sapphira. We read it just a few chapters ago in Acts. They ask her the same thing. She lies again to the apostles and they make that statement. The sound of the feet you hear are those that carried out your husband, and they will carry you out as well. That's one of those, oh no, moments. And then, of course, the Lord struck her dead, all for stealing his glory. Well, let's read about Herod's death. All right, chapter 12, the continuation, the really the second half of verse 19. It says, then Herod went from Judea to Caesarea and stayed there for a while. Time out, side note, this ought to be in, uh, uh, one of those things that it's like, ooh, wait a second. You know, most Jews never even wanted to set foot in Samaria. And Herod's going there to stay. 
read between the lines, y'all. This is a glimpse into what kind of guy Herod was. This is going to surprise you. In fact, are you sitting down? Sometimes politicians have this idea, this attitude that that laws and practices, that's for thee and not for me. I, I know that's a surprise to y'all. I, I know the idea of a ruler, somebody in charge that doesn't play by the rules, you know, that says laws are for poor people. Yeah. But anyway, Herod doesn't have an issue with going to Caesarea, even though most Jews did. Herod goes on, which if you go back and you read about how he actually became Herod, he pretty much murdered everybody in his family, and he was a lapdog of the Roman Empire. Not a nice man. We already know that he killed James, the brother of John, and the people liked it so much he was going to kill Peter too. Not a nice guy. A terrible human being. So we find out then Herod went from Judea to Caesarea and stayed there for a while. He had been quarreling with the people of Tyre and Sidon. Now they joined together and sought an audience with him. Having secured the support of Blastus, a trusted personal servant of the king, they asked for peace because they depended on the king's country for their food supply. All right, again, read between the lines. There's a squabble going on between Herod and the people of Tyre and Sidon. Now they want to make nice. We know that a famine was prophesied right? The famine is hit. They're getting their food from Judea. They need to make nice with the king. So they get this dude named Blastus. Doesn't that sound like a character from the road warrior or something? Blastus, right? Anyway, Blastus is in good graces with the king. All this is, y'all, is it's, it's coming to the table to try to figure something out. They're schmoozing up Herod because they need something from him. To that end, verse 21, on the appointed day, Herod, wearing his royal robes, sat on his throne and delivered a public address to the people. They shouted, this is the voice of a god, not a man. Time out. All right, time out. Y'all, pay attention to what's going on here. This is nothing but flattery. This is nothing but politics being played. This is nothing but people, you know, again, schmoozing up to Herod. It's pay to play. He wants people that are beholden to them. He's got all this power that's been vested in him by the Roman Empire. He's king, yes, but again, no king existed at this time that wasn't controlled by Rome. That's how Rome worked. They went in and they conquered cities. They set up kings of their own, but they knew who they were reporting to. And then these people who need something from Herod, listen to Herod talk. And it's not enough that they show up to listen to the guy. New, they have to call him a god. Oh, y'all, they hit it then. You know, not only have politicians not changed in 2000 years, people that are, you know, schmoozing up to them haven't changed either. They went straight for the jugular, right? They didn't say, oh, you sound wise, Herod, or oh my goodness, look at you. You haven't aged a day. No, 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 no. It's flattery of the highest degree. They compare him to a god. Now, before we continue reading, and you might have already read forward, and hey, we know this is about Herod dying, realize who we're talking about here. This isn't the king of Samaria. This is not the king of some far-off nation. This is Herod. This is the man who calls himself the king of the Jews, 
Remember how upset they got when Pilate had King of the Jews written and placed over Jesus's head on the placard when he hung on the cross? How angry they got. And he said, hey, I've written what I've written. You know, what were they going to do to Pilate? But, you know, this is the man who considers himself King of the Jews. Um, we know what lengths other Herods have gone to to try to suppress anybody that might challenge them. But even so, this is the man who is the king of Israel. Think back to all the different kings of Israel and the charges that were given to them, the highest of which is that the king of Israel is supposed to turn the people back to the Lord. Well, when we see the different kings throughout Kings and Chronicles and that sort of thing, there was really one defining factor, okay? You had good kings, you had bad kings. What did the bad kings do? Well, the bad kings promoted worshiping any and everything other than God. They had the high places. They promoted idol worship. The good kings tore down the high places. And what has King Herod done? He's given this public address, verse 22. They shouted, this is the voice of a God, not of man. What he should have done is immediately said, stop, no. Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords. Jesus the Messiah, Jesus the Christ. Well, we know that he rejected Jesus, right? At a minimum, he should have said, no, Jehovah. God Almighty is the king. Do not call me a God. Y'all, throughout the scriptures, I don't care if it's the New Testament or the Old Testament, there is only two groups. There's only, well, two that accept praise and worship. God and Satan and those that are following. And what does Herod do here? He's not God. He accepts it. And so we find out verse 23, immediately, because Herod did not give praise to God, an angel of the Lord struck him down, and he was eaten by worms and died. And the order of this sentence is important. Y'all, it's worse than Ananias and Sapphira. They were struck dead. You might say, well, dead's dead. How can it be worse? What's the order here of the sentence structure? This is a good translation. It's a faithful translation. He was struck down. What does that look like? I don't know. I don't know what that looks like for an angel of the Lord to strike someone down, but he was struck down and he was eaten by worms and then he died. Yo, that's horrible. That's why I said it's story time, but it's not a nice story. What does that even look like? Did worms immediately start consuming him? There's lots of theories about this, okay? And I'm not, I'm trying not to be gross here or anything like that, but this is God's word and it's for God's people. And the means of death is so poignant for a reason. It's to show us how repugnant it is for us to take worship instead of giving God the glory. And, and there it is right there. That's our devotional thought. There's a reason why I say, and this is not about me being holier than thou, but there's a reason why I say when people are kind and encouraging, I try my hardest to always say to God be the glory. It's not just because I'm a, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this out of some mode, right? It's not just a practice that I follow. It's certainly not because I'm a better person than anybody at all. I have concern that God is glorified and not me. 
And that's not just because of being some ultra-religious guy. It's because I've read Acts chapter 12. There's a warning here. And the poignancy of Herod's death, again, there's theories. Some say that, you know, it could have been exactly like this. He struck down immediately worms overtake him. Some say that he was close to death. He probably had parasites within him. And when he was struck down, he burst open. I, I know it's gross. I, I get that. It's, it's not even nice to think about, but there's a reason why it's detailed as it is. This was not a nice death. I think one of the reasons it was not a nice death is because the man has just received praise as God and hasn't corrected the people. And so it's almost like God is saying, oh, okay, you're a God. Let's see how that goes for you, right? And I'm not trying to think God's thoughts for him or turn God into somebody punitive like me. It's simply that God won't have it. He alone is worthy of praise and honor and glory. And any who try to claim it put themselves in, in peril's way. And y'all, the ones, and you might say, well, why, aren't, why doesn't that happen to people now? Y'all remember, sometimes the punishment for sin is more sin. And God allows things to mount up as an indictment at the last day. Now, are we getting into the varying degrees of hell? No, no we're not getting into that today. But I'm just going to tell you what, that old saying that hell burns hotter for some than others, I think there is really something to that. And sometimes the Lord lets people go as an indictment against them to be brought up at their time of judgment. Nevertheless, with Herod, nothing. Herod was done, y'all. And all because he refused to give God the glory. We see this happen with Herod. Verse 24, but the word of God continued to increase and spread. When Barnabas and Saul had finished their mission, they returned from Jerusalem taking with them John, also called Mark. You see the point of this ultimately? I, I gave it to you before. The reason that this is in here, some say, why is that even in there? It's because of this last verse here. It's because of verse 25. This just goes to show that Herod, who definitely God judged him when he accepted worship as though Herod himself was a God. God wouldn't have that. But also we see that God is providing the means for his church to go forth. Herod was dead set on eliminating Peter. He had already killed James, the brother of John. He was on this kick where it's time to go after Christianity. And so God went after him. Y'all, the message is this. And I want to be careful here with how I say this. But when people make themselves enemies of the church, as Herod did here. It's not really the church that they declare war against. It's not really the church that is even their enemy. You see, when people declare war on the church of Jesus Christ, when people try to destroy his church, when people, instead of glorifying God, glorify themselves, y'all, it's not the church that you make your enemy. It's certainly not a pastor in a church. It's not a group of people within a church. When you go against a church in war, you're going against God himself. Now, it's not to say that there aren't times when people need to go against churches. 
Sometimes if churches are not just, if they don't preach the word, then yeah, you need to go against them. And I've been saying this from the beginning with y'all. I think this is daily devotional number 508. If you are not a regular part of a Bible-believing church, or, and, and realize what I said, Bible-believing church, then you need to get out and you need to find one. Because y'all, I'm telling you, there's a lot of places. There are buildings that look like church buildings, but they are not churches. They have people that stand in front that look like pastors. They aren't pastors. Those places are synagogues of Satan because they don't believe in the word of God and they don't preach the word of God. Get out of there. Get out of there so that you're not dealt with just like they will eventually be dealt with. And I'm talking about all those that make themselves the enemies of Christ by denying the truth of his word. But y'all, again, sometimes you got to go against churches that aren't churches at all. But in other cases, if there's some vendetta, or if you are watching this and you hate the church of Jesus Christ, if you are an enemy of the gospel, you may not even realize that you are, but if you don't proclaim Christ, if you don't believe in the truth of God's word, your enemy is not the church. Your enemy is the God of all gods, the, the, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Your enemy is Jehovah, Lord of the armies. That's who your real enemy is. And you will never win that battle. As we saw from Joe last week, as we have seen from here, God's word goes forth, y'all. You're not going to stop it. And praise God for that. I'm a believer because of that. This church sits here because of that. I mean, it, the Lord will accomplish his will. And the warning here for us is to make sure that we give him the glory. But the blessing here for us is even a man like Herod, even one who was schmoozed up to, and they said, oh, your voice sounds like a God. Who is he to God, the, the Lord of hosts? He's nothing. He just goes right through him. Y'all, the Lord is building his church and nothing's gonna stop it. Be encouraged and be warned. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for this time that you have given to us, and we thank you that nothing can stop your word going forth. That's the, the message of Acts 12. We see it. Not prison cells, not guards, not chains, not political figures that would have others believe that they are you. Instead, your son is true. He is building his church, and the gates of hell themselves shall not prevail against it. Thank you for your love and for your mercy. To you alone be the glory. Amen. Well, I'd like to thank you all for being a part of this time. Lord willing, we'll be back Sunday morning at 10 a.m. with our regular morning worship service and then Monday morning, hopefully at 6 a.m. Until then, I hope you have a wonderful weekend. If I can do anything for you, please do let me know.